Hey friends, this is Reiko Zek. You're listening to Jesus in the Center, One Year Bible Podcast. Today is January 22nd. So glad you're tuning in. I hope you're growing and uh, your faith is being strengthened. I love today's readings from Genesis 44 and 45. Uh, Also, readings from Matthew 14 is great. So we're going to jump right in today. In yesterday's reading, we see the, the brothers, the ten brothers, the sons of Jacob or Israel, go down to Egypt. Uh, actually, nine. Well, I guess there's ten. Uh, their one brother, Simeon, has been held hostage as sort of a ransom. Uh, come When you come back, you can have him. But you must bring the youngest son, Benjamin. And when the boys first went back, or I should say the men went back initially without Simeon, and they say we can only go back down when we bring Benjamin. Remember how Jacob said, you know, that's going to kill me. Well, they go back down and they're nervous because they have the silver that was in their their uh, sacks of grain. And they didn't want it to have the impression that they were stealing from uh, from the Egyptians. And so they bring that silver back plus more silver to buy more grain with. They're trying to show that they're not trying to be dishonest. And they end up going only because Judah says, take my life as as forfeit. He says, let it be to me, I pledge you, Father, that I will take care of your son, Benjamin. And so Jacob trusts his son, Judah, to lead the pack down. Remember, Judah, is he's the fourth born. He's taken a leadership role. Even though he had some hard times, he hit a low spot. He is now turning. Anyway, they go back down. Remember how uh, Joseph hosts them and they have a lunch and turned probably into a dinner and they're drinking a lot. Well, they probably slept very well. Remember these guys, they're enduring a famine. It They've been rationing their food up there in the land of Canaan and they go down there, nervous as can be, and it turns out that this Lord uh, in Egypt, who is really Joseph, is hospitable, puts out a huge spread, give them, gives them as much as they can eat. This is a wonderful time and wine lots and lots of wine they are feasting this is not what they expected no doubt they slept very well that night well they woke up the next morning they have Simeon they have Benjamin they've paid for their grain it's all good so they leave they take off they leave but Joseph is up to something he sets them on their way but before he does that he tells his servant put my goblet my chalice this special cup Put it in the sack of the youngest. Well, and then as they make a little way, the servant then is told to go get them and say, who stole my cup? And they will discover it. If you see here, they are uh, pretty sure that they are innocent. Look at verse 9. It says, whichever of your servants is found with it shall die. And we also will be my Lord's servants. Will you, would you trust your brothers and sisters enough if you got pulled over by a cop and says, hey, where's the whatever, you know, would you say, oh, none of us have it. If any of us have it, that person will die and we'll all be your slaves. Would you trust them or would you say, I don't know which one of us has it. It's not me. Well, they do trust one another, but it turns out well, as they're opening their, their bags of grain, no, it's not, it's not Reuben. It's not Simeon and, and down, the, it's not Levi, not, it's down the line. See, we don't have it. Then they get to the last bag, the youngest son, who of course would never have it, Benjamin. And there it is. He has it. So they rip their clothes there, lamenting. 
and, and then they go back to Joseph's house, the, the Lord of Egypt. And it says, verse 14, when Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house. So again, Judah is stepping up here. In verse 18, it says, and Judah said, what shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? How can we clear ourselves? God has found out the guilt of your servants. It seems like almost Judah is hearkening back to the real guilt. The reason this cup is there, well, God is punishing them for what they're really guilty of. Abandoning their brother, selling him into slavery, into Egypt. So he's, he's confessing this. And Joseph says, well, only the man in whose hand the cup was found shall be my servant. But as for the rest of you, go up in peace to your father. And then we have this the this speech of, of Judah who who goes up and, and pleads about his father, the father that he had asked about, and, and all this um, interesting. When you get to verse 30, he says, uh, regarding his father, the father's life, Jacob, his life is bound up in the boy's life. And as soon as he sees he's not with us, he'll die. And he goes on and says, if, if I don't bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father all my life. Now, therefore... Please let your servant remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord. And let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back unless the boy is with me? I fear to see the evil that would, that would find my father. Here Judah is pleading to take the place of his brother Benjamin, of his younger brother. This is a beautiful picture. Judah's greater son, the one who would come from the line of Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah, uh, Jesus himself, who would make the, the capital T, H-E, the vicarious atonement, right? Vi vicarious, it means, vi you know, it comes from the word vicar, which means in place of. The atonement that would be in place of our atonement, the only thing that could cover our sin. And so we see Judah here as a type of Christ. We also see a type of the father, Jacob here. It says that in mixed with evil, yes, and he loves his young, he loves all his sons maybe, but he particularly loves Benjamin. And we see that if he were to lose Benjamin, he would lose himself. He would die. And so it is with the Father, the, our Father in heaven. We are so bound up to him more than we can even know. And so for him to lose any of us is to lose a part of himself. Now take that in context, but uh, we see here the love of Isaac for his youngest son in a pure way is true of us uh, from the Father in heaven. So, good stuff. Well, eventually, chapter 45, Joseph can't control himself. He weeps aloud. He says, I am Joseph. He sends out the others, and and he weeps. You know, this is like the fourth or fifth time here that he's just weeping. Usually he's hiding. Here he's not. But he says, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. They are shocked. And so it is when we hear such good news, right? How many people hear the gospel and can't believe it? Like, mm, yeah, nope, not true. Couldn't be. Couldn't be that true. Couldn't be that good. Well, here, I love how Joseph, two times in this chapter, he basically says, brothers, forgive yourselves, because I do. He says, uh, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves. Right? He says, you are forgiven, in as many words. Uh, let it go. And then at the end, he says, you know, don't fight on the way back. But three different times he says, God sent me before you. He says, God sent me, God sent me, I'm sent here by God. It wasn't you. Yeah, it was their evil, but God used it for good. Joseph has a heart of openness and forgiveness and seeing the bigger picture. If he had not been sent down to Egypt, even in an evil way, he, he would not be able to preserve the whole family.
And just one other note here, when they go back and tell their father this great news, they say, Joseph is still alive, and he's the ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his heart became numb, or his heart, he says he was stunned. Literally, I think the Hebrew is his heart stopped. His heart stopped. Now, I don't know if he actually, his heart stopped and he died, because then it says he saw uh, the proof of it. When they told him everything, uh, it says that he revived. He came back to the good news when he saw the proof of it, it, it brought him back to life. Wow. So he says, it's enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Whew. Man, I love that story. I'm sure you do too. Let's flip over to Matthew. In the Gospel of Matthew, here's chapter 14. Also in chapter 15, we see Jesus feeding a crowd. Uh, here in chapter 14, he feeds the 5,000 men, besides the women and children, and in the next chapter, he feeds 4,000. So we'll, we'll discuss that a little bit more tomorrow. Why, why these two stories? Maybe you can ponder that. But I just love, and maybe you do too, how Jesus sees the crowd and he has compassion and he heals. And then he tests the disciples with an impossible mission. He says, you give all these people something to eat. And they, they realize they, they can't. We have only five loaves and two fish. So what is impossible to us is possible with Jesus. So he says, bring them here to me. And he has them sit down and he says a blessing. Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth. And who knows what he, what he said, but the Father heard him. He broke it and he gave it. This is a, a foretaste of uh, our feast in heaven. It's also a foretaste of what we receive every week when the blessing through the pastor is, is said. It is the words of Jesus himself. Uh, the Lord's Supper, which is different, but it's uh, it's all connected. The Lord is a, a great host. Here, um, they're just stunned, and through the hands of the disciples, many are fed. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, in the next section, they go across. Jesus is praying, and it's the middle of the night, and the storm on the on the lake is just horrible. And so they're terrified, and they say it's a ghost or a spirit, but it's not. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, "Take heart." It is I. Do not be afraid. And you, you probably know this. In, in Greek, another way to translate this is I am. Take heart. I am. Stop being afraid. So he says I am. And these are, uh, in Greek, it's the ego and me, which might not mean anything to you. might be Greek to you. But in the, the Old Testament, when we get there, Exodus chapter 3, the Lord reveals himself with this name. Tell them, I am has sent you. That's ego and me when it's translated into Greek. Uh, ego and me, I am, the one who is, the existing one. I am who I am. Jesus uses this here. He also uses this many times in the Gospel of John, which we'll get to. So, uh, pretty amazing. Only here, I think, it, the, Matthew records is where Peter says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Wow, why is Jesus asking such an amazing or, you know, an impossible thing? I don't know. But he, he receives the faith of Peter. So he says, come. And Peter gets out. And Peter is the only one I know besides Jesus to, to walk on water. He defies he defies the laws of gravity. I wonder what it will be like in heaven, right? Will we walk on water? Will we swim up waterfalls? What will it be like? I don't know, but it will be pretty amazing. Uh, anyway, he's also gets afraid. They were terrified, and now he's afraid. He begins to sink and cry out and says this great prayer, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reaches out his hand, takes hold of him, and says, O ye 
little faith. This is one word. Oh, you little faith, why did you doubt? Wow. What a challenge for us not to doubt that Jesus is the one who can break bread and do miraculous things. Jesus can walk on water. Jesus can heal. Jesus, we know, rose again from the dead, as it says in in, uh, in Acts and in Hebrews, that uh, he has the power of an indestructible life. Death cannot contain him because he is the author of life. And then get this, verse 33. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. We as Christians, we just read this and say, Yeah, of course, naturally. But for Jews, good, pious Jews who believe in one God, I mean, every day, several times a day, they would pray this prayer, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, which is Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. For them who prayed that prayer to then worship Jesus, something supernatural is going on here, which we know it's supernatural because they say you are the Son of God. And then in two chapters from now, when Peter repeats this, who do people say that I am? You are the Son of God. Jesus tells him that the Father had revealed that to him. And so here, this is the beginning of that revealing. They worship him just like the Magi worshipped him in chapter 2. All right, well, there's a lot of good stuff. We also have the Proverbs and Psalms. I hope you're learning a lot as you read through the Bible this year. Please let me know what your questions are, what your learning is, what you're excited about. I do appreciate it, uh, all your feedback. Anything else that you might need from me, let me know. Rejoice in the reconciliation we have with the Father. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.